something great. So if you need one of these, grab it. Uh, if you're an online person, you can just go to thebannerchurch.com slash 21 days. You'll get all the information there. And man, I, I believe it's going to be great. I believe God's going to do some great things. Would you do me a, the biggest favor and welcome Pastor Dana this morning to give the word? Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Father, we just thank you and praise you that as we engage in a season for our church that is critical as we come into this new year of 2018. Lord, we will be presented with challenges, obstacles, circumstances beyond our control, but yet we know that you are the God of the impossible. Somebody say amen to that. You are the God of the impossible. We put our trust in you, the promises of your word. And Lord, we are believing for a banner year. Lord, as you bring growth and prosperity to our church, but not only that, Father God, this morning as I share in the message, Lord, you're gonna call us to extend, Lord, our tents and to be able to just plan for a great harvest in your kingdom. Lord, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, praise the Lord. Give him a hand this morning. Thank you, worship team. It's so good to have you here. I'd like to welcome our guest as well. If you're here for the first time at Banner Church, we are so glad that you found us. We're right on the corner of Marshway and Goldwater, so we're obviously visible. Don't you love it? The people out there with the signs, I love it. They're going to bring us in. And, but we are, are just uh, so um, privileged to have you here today. It's going to be uh, a little bit of a unique service today, and we want you to be able to just embrace all that we're going to share. The first thing that I'd like to do is I want to introduce the, our members of our church. As many of you know, uh, since um, Banner Church is formed, we wanted to, the church to get to a point of sovereignty again, which means basically that we're a church that's self-supportive, a church that's self-governing now, that we have a board and a membership, uh, a church that with a mission statement of love, disciples send, that we believe in mission and we believe in sending and and uh, for those who don't know, we uh, tithe off the tithe, and it goes into missions, and we've done that since the very beginning here in our church. And I wanted to, uh, this morning, just validate uh, the very first team membership uh, group uh, in our church. We call them team members because really they're joining the team and the vision that we have uh, at Banner Church that we're so excited about, and they're devoting themselves and committing themselves at really even a, a deeper and a greater level. So team membership is important. They've went through a class, and if you're here today and you submitted the paperwork and the application for team membership, I'd like to invite you to come up at this time and just kind of line up in the front here. There's something I uh, we want to give you. It's a letter um, from us and leadership, and I also want to pray as well over you and validate this is really a very historical and important moment for the church yeah just face the, the congregation yes and uh, it's an important moment because they're the first fruits they're the first group that uh, are saying that we want to team with you and it's not that you're not teaming with us out there if you're not a member by any means and in the future we'll have more membership team membership classes that you can join and be a part of this but this is a special group that uh, are deepening their commitment to us and the ministry here at Banner Church. And we want to validate and recognize them this morning. I want to pray a blessing, but not only that, an anointing upon their lives 
this is an important group as well because they're linking arms with the pastoral team and leaders of this church, and they're saying, we are with you. We've got your back, and, and, uh, and just their deep support, and we are so grateful for each and uh, every one of them this morning. I have a verse, a couple verses of scripture that I want to read that I believe are, are pertinent to this particular group of people. Uh, who have joined our team memberships. It's out of the book of Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 12. It says this, Since God chose you to be holy people that he loves. This is what's important, that God chose you. And you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. And make allowance for each other's faults. Would you do this? Would you please make allowance for pastors' faults too? <laughs> our leaders and our faults. Make allowances. Be patient. And forgive anyone who offends you. Make your forgiveness quick and release it. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love. That's the first part of our mission statement is love and disciples send and clothe yourself every day. Just put on a, a spirit of love. It binds us together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body. And most importantly here, you're members of the body of Christ. Most importantly, you're members of his body. And because of that, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful and let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful hearts, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You're not just representing Banner Church, but most importantly, you're representing the kingdom of God. Amen. Would you just join with me as we pray uh, over this group of people? Father, we thank you for those who have teamed with us. And as they have made this decision to be a part of the team membership of this body, Lord, and as the very first group that says we choose to go to a deeper level in the commitment, not only to the church and leadership, but to the commitment to the kingdom, to see the vision that you have given us in this church continually advance, Father God, in the future. Lord, I pray a blessing over each and every one of them and their families, but I also pray, Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to give them strength and boldness and power to do the work of the ministry. And Lord, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just give them thanks? And wow, we're so grateful for them. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. We love you. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I also wanted to recognize one um, for individuals that's being deployed with Samaritan's Purse. She uh, works as a nurse here in the Valley, and uh, she's a part of Samaritan's Purse ministry as well, and they've deployed her to uh, go to Bangladesh, which was the first country that I served in after college as a missionary. So I, there's a special place in my heart for Bangladesh, and I've lived and served there for quite a long time. And and as many of you know, if you've read in the papers, there's refugees flooding out of Myanmar that have been persecuted. 
And she's going to be ministering right on the front lines in these border areas in Bangladesh to these refugees, medical ministry. But I want you to, during this fasting time, to be praying for uh, Molly. Would you just stand really quick? Some of you may not know you who you are, but Molly, we're going to be praying for you. And um, this is a part of who we are, and Molly's being deployed and sent. And we want to remember to pray diligently for this young lady as She's giving a month of her life uh, with Samaritan's Purse to serve there, and we want to back her with our support um, and our prayers. In just a few moments, at the end of the service, there, there's some stakes up here on the platform, and I wanted to just introduce this first. And really, the theme is out of Isaiah 54 that I'm going to be sharing in, in just a moment. But this stake is critically important for our church. And many of you understand the concept of, of staking a claim or staking your ground. And that really is the theme of this fast. And in my heart that I want to introduce to you this morning that we're going to stake a claim and even areas where the enemy has seemingly stole from us or stole from the church, areas that we can't seem to just overcome or, or maybe break through. And that's the purpose of a fast is that we get breakthroughs and revelation from the Lord. And I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to come up and take this stake. And many of you, God's going to lead you to drive it in the ground in a certain area. Maybe it's your home, your business, where you want to stake a claim to see souls come to Christ at where you work or where you go to school. It might be something in a marriage where you need a breakthrough and you you take this stake as a, a symbol of your faith and the Lord speaks to you and you begin to stake your claim for breakthrough and victory this year in any given area of your life. So the stake is important, and we're going to take this, and I'd like to ask you to, to take the stake and, and actually uh, drive it in the ground or maybe a place in your home, put it there, and begin to pray this promise in this prayer. But as a church, I want us to be bold in our faith this coming year. This won't be the first time where we say we need to stake our claim and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. Amen? We're going to do that, and I believe that God's going to honor it, and I would encourage you that sometimes it, a fast can be something very simple. I remember when my boys were little, we'd do fasting and prayer in the church in January, and one year when they were really little, that probably five and six, whatever, they're like, Dad, we're going to fast milk. I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, that was like a huge thing for them. Like, we're not going to drink milk all this week, and it was so cute, but yet it was simple, but God really really, uh, you know, used it. And sometimes fasting, we think we have to go all out. But, you know, like Josh said, a soul type of a fast and just fasting social media. I mean, for some people, they're going to go through withdrawals. It's okay. Just come up to the altar. We'll anoint and pray for you. It's going to be all right, you know. You, so it's like, I can't live without Instagram. You can. You'll make it. You'll survive. Or if you fast like caffeine, you know, if you, like, I'm going to give up my caffeine fix every day for the next 21 days for some people. Yeah, there will be withdrawals if you do that. There'll be just going to be some headaches and things like that. But when you do that, basically fasting isn't twist God's arm or get him to try to get him to do something. But really fasting isn't to change God, but it's to change you. That's what fasting is all about. It's to change you so that you can hear the voice of God and really embrace his promises and do the will of God in your life. So fasting is about transformation in our own life to help position us to be able to receive the fullness of, of God's power and blessing in our life. So it's not about changing the Lord. He's already destined it. He's already spoken at what he desires to do for you in the church. 
The fasting positions, it aligns our heart in such a way when we lay down something. And Daniel fasts are great. And just all kinds. Some of you will do a complete fast for maybe the first week and then slowly, gradually go into a Daniel fast. However the Lord leads you, even if it's something simple, we ask you to engage with us in the next three weeks with this kind of a fast. The title of the message this morning is, is Stake Your Ground. And I was thinking about this and my whole philosophy of discipleship and um, over the years has really been just kind of a, a real basic three-step uh, formula, I guess you could say, in, in terms of uh, discipleship. Because I believe that when Jesus came and before he started his public ministry, he was very strategic in building a team and, and appointing these men that were just simple guys, most of them fishermen, and he calls them out, which this is what the Lord does in our life as a believer. And even before we come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit calls us out and says, there's something bigger, there's something better for your life than what you're living right now. When God calls us out. And Jesus did that before I really began the public ministry. And it was a part of like he was going to stake his claim as the son of God. And he was going to literally demonstrate his authority that, yes, I came from the Father. And I came here to bring life and life more abundantly. I came here to forgive sin and be salvation to the entire world. And so there's great authority in that. But in this, he builds his team so that they can carry his authority and his purpose and his plan as well. He's not doing it by himself. But the first thing that I think is so prominent about discipleship that I want to share just simply in the introduction to this message is that he believed in these men that nobody else believed in. Their vision, their sight was as only as far as maybe a net throwing it into the water to catch a fish. But Jesus saw something much further than that and much greater for their life. And he does for you and you and me as well. He believed in them. He believes in you. He believes in this church. He believes in the dynamic and the potential of Banner Church and how it can make an impact in this community and where this church can go. And it's important for us to say to each other in the church as well, I believe in you. You may not believe in yourself, but I believe that you can do this. You can pull this off. You can step out. You can go into this fast, and you can see breakthroughs for your life as well. And you can do this. It's important. It's called affirmation. It's called encouragement. Those are other adjectives to say, I believe in you. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to describe to you the potential that you have. And I think that really is first and foremost the, the early steps of what Jesus did with those as he's calling out these disciples and he's calling us as well. I want to say as a pastor, I believe in the church. I believe in the, God, the people that God has brought to this church, the team membership, all of that. I believe in the leadership team that God has given us. And I want to affirm them this morning that despite some of the weaknesses and shortfalls and, and even some of the mistakes that we make, God is such a God of mercy and grace. He continues to use us. I'll never figure that out, but he does. Secondly, I bring an individual to a place of believing in them, and um, I've never 
been disappointed as I would get in a position like this and then begin to build them and teach them about the doctrine, the faith, and the Word of God, and just helping lay a foundation that now you're going to live your life based on a whole different set of principles and teachings that you could have never imagined, and it's going to change the way that you think and act and make decisions, and it's going to forge out a destiny in your life that you never thought possible, and you begin to build, and you mold, and you shape, and it's, it's like that vessel that's a lump of clay, and God looks at our life as just this lump of dirt, and he says, but I'm going to shape it into a vessel that's going to be beautiful. I'm going to fill it with my anointing, and then I'm going to use you in such a great way. It's very simplistic, and we're in the building process, but the part that I really want to emphasize this morning is the third dynamic of that of that principle that is the fun part to me that when I go into a mode of discipleship with any individual, we believe we build, but then we break the box. It's like, I want to know what their boxes are. I want to know what your boxes are and, and as an individual. I want to see the own boxes of my life where I've been confined or a vision or a dream or a talent or an ability has been locked away in a box. And God's saying, I want to break the box and bring that out so that you can begin to reach your full potential. And all of us sitting here today have boxes where things have been hidden. Some of us has purposely hidden things in a box because we have a fear of failure. We think that people won't understand or I could never do that. And the Lord is saying through discipleship and just like with the men that Jesus called out, he said, you're going to do greater things than I've ever done. Just get ready because I'm going to break your box and send you out and I'm going to give you authority to do the work of the ministry. That's a great promise. And Bridget and I have dealt with boxes over the course of our ministry. We'll be married 25 years in May and so we we hit the ground running after we, two weeks after we got married and our honeymoon was over. And uh, we literally hit the ground in ministry. We're approaching that 25-year mark next May of ministry. And uh, we're excited about it. But I have to say, too, as I look back over my ministry career, it was when God came and he shattered and broke the boxes and said, I don't want you any longer to lock up that vision and the dream that I put there, but I want it to be released in your life. And you've got a talent that maybe you, you can't compare it with somebody else that you think is better than you, but I want to use it. I gave it to you, and I want you to rise up and take responsibility with that and to begin to function it. And that's the fun part of helping people break their box. I call it the no limits kind of faith. No limits kind of faith. And those limits are the fear of failure. What are people going to think? Here's the story about a group that went down to protest um, at a place where there was an abortion clinic. And they're protesting and all that. Well, the police came and I guess they, they trespassed on the property and and, you know, it was a group and all that, and they're out there and with their signs and all this and everything. Well, the police came and they arrested all of them, and one of the ladies just shrieked out, what are my neighbors going to think? <laughs> I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, you're out here protesting, but now you're worried about the neighbors going to think when you get arrested, you know? And like that, and I'm just thinking, you know, what are people going to think? And we worry about that so much, or I'm not good enough, or you know what, I'll do it later, but I'm just going to leave that thing in that box and be able to do it later. But it's this no limits kind of faith where God comes and it's like, I'm going to remove the limitations of your life. And fasting and prayer are helpful, as I said, of aligning us and positioning us so that God can begin 
to say, I'm going to remove this limitation uh, in your life so that you can begin to walk in the function, in the fullness that I've called you to. Bruce Arians, the coach of the Cardinals, which I'm sad he's leaving, and he's made his resignation last week. He made one of his famous quotes, and he said, just wanted to say to the the team again and the new uh, coaches or whoever's coming in, no risk it, no biscuit. How many of you heard him say that? You know, no risk it, no biscuit. And I, I think that's good. And he was one of those men that was able to help people on his team remove limitations so that they could reach their full potential and be the winners that that he knew that they were called to be. That's what good coaches do. That's what good disciples do. That's what good pastors do. Turn with me to Isaiah 54, and let's look at verses 2 and 3. This will be the theme that we want to look at. Stake your ground. And Isaiah has a prophetic vision that was not just for his generation, but this is a vision, a word. It's it's extremely prophetic for us in our lives here today because it's a biblical principle that has carried on through centuries and generations. It's very applicable to us. And he says, enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more children or harvest or fruit. And it's like the first thing, I want you to enlarge the site of your tent. This stake is helpful in us understanding that. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare them. I don't want you to hold back anything, but I, I want you to go for it and stretch it all out and get ready for what I'm going to do. Lengthen your tent ropes. He goes into the very details of this. And make your pegs or your stakes firm in the ground because they're going to have to carry more weight than they've carried presently or in the past. But these stakes are going to have to carry more weight in the future because I'm going to bring in more children into this tent. In other words, I'm going to grow this place. I'm going to grow the ministry. I'm going to grow your life. And I, but I want you to be securely staked into the ground. And I want this stake to be a reminder to you that as this stake is in the ground, that this is what I've called you to be. And God gives us this stake for this very reason. For here's what's going to happen in verse 3. You're going to spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit deserted cities. In other words, God says, I'm going to send you out and there's going to be this possession that you're going to take authority that I have given you. But before you do that, there's a preparation process that begins to happen in this that I want you to get your tents ready. And there's four principles here that I want you to take home with you today. The first one is enlarge. Enlarge the site of your tent to make room for what God is going to do in the church and your life your marriage, and your family. There's something incredibly encouraging about this. God believes in the vision so much, but he goes, I just want you to get it ready. I want you to, you know, put in, we've got the extra seats stacked up in the back of the church. Every time I come in, I look at them, and I know that someday they're going to all be taken out to make more room for people that God's going to bring into the church. It's a part of that enlarging. We bought extra chairs because we know that God's going to enlarge the church. Hallelujah. He's going to enlarge your life as well. I love it when I've seen people that they're 
praying for children. There's maybe been barrenness that has been in a in a family and they've struggled to start a family or whatever, but yet they'll go out and buy a crib and they'll set up a nursery and they'll do all the things in preparation for that baby. And even though they, they haven't gotten pregnant yet, they know that God is going to bring a conception and someday he's going to bring a baby. And so they go ahead by faith. They just set it up and it's like, and they begin to pray and they begin to believe. It's that kind of faith. It's that kind of expectation or life that are big and bold prayers that God is pleased with. Just saying, I got. I may not see it with a natural eye, but I can see it in my heart, and I can see it in my vision. Enlarge the sight of your tent. Number two, stretch out. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare them. And when I read this, I'm very compelled. It's like, I don't want you to spare anything. In other words, I want you to give it all that you've got. 150%, not just halfway. And it's like, well, I'm going to stick my toe in the water. And if it's cold, ah, I think I'm just going to wait a little while. But no, God wants you just basically to take the plunge. Don't stick your toe in the water to see if the water's warm. You got to dive in. You got to jump in I like that and say, show God, God, I'm serious about this. I'm either going to sink or swim. Hallelujah. And it's like that a lot of times when, you know, if you're just going to go walk around the bank and all the doubts and the fears and think about it, you know, you just got to kind of take the plunge. I remember it's Six Flags Magic Mountain. Bridget went up on that thing they called the dive devil. And believe me, it was full of the devil because it was about 1,500 feet in the air. I mean, it was so there. And she did it. And I thought to myself, if I don't do this, I'm never going to live it down. She's going to remind me. And I hate heights. She jumped out of that plane a few months ago. And I just watched from the ground where it was safe and secure. But this was a situation where I thought, I got to do this. And after she did it and, and everything, and I remember them pulling me up in this harness up to the top of this huge, I mean, tower. And I was just scared to death. And I think, man, I've got to just go all out and, and do this. And then as it drops me, I'm just screaming down, looking here. It's like, I hate you. <laughs> we got to go all in. I mean, it's not worth it. Anything that you do in life, not just ministry in the church, but it's like don't spare anything. If you're going to do this, don't stick your toe in the water, but dive in. Number three, I want you to lengthen your tent ropes. I want them to be lengthened. I, I, I want you to understand that there's another step. And by lengthening those ropes, you're, you're taking the next step. Some of us just don't know what the next step is. And we struggle sometimes to take the next step. But I'm going to ask you to take the next step in prayer for 21 days and really seek the Lord and just be in his presence, just worship him. As Josh was saying, walking around the neighborhood with his dog and just worshiping and thanking God, that's taking the next step. And just saying, God, I just want you to just speak to me and speak to my soul, speak to my family, and, and take those next steps in prayer. And some of us are like, well, I really don't know how to pray. You know, just pray the word of God. You know, just tell God what's on your heart and relate with him during this fasting time. Designate a time every single day for a few minutes where you can spend time with the Lord during this fast and really hear his voice. I'd encourage you to get a journal as well and write down thoughts and dreams and let God begin to point out some of the boxes of your life that need to be crushed and opened up once again in your life. Just lengthen. Don't spare anything. And then finally, to stake your ground. Make the stakes, the pegs firm in the ground. Stake your ground. Stake your claim. What is it that 
you want to believe God for, even something of a practicality in your life that you want to trust God for and, and stake your claim with this peg. And it's, it's got the verse of scripture on it out of Isaiah 54, 2 here. And it's like, Lord, I'm tired of just settling for second best, but I, I want the very best, Lord, that you have for me. And I want to stake my claim here today. And, and it might be a week into the fast before God speaks to you of how to drive this thing into the ground somewhere, or maybe a place in your home or where you work, or even in this community. I want to take my stake and there's a location outside of the building here that I'm going to drive it into the ground and say, Lord, we're going to stake our claim. We're going to stake, uh, you know, our place here in the community as Banner Church, not in an arrogant way, but this will be a house of prayer, but it would be a house of deliverance and salvation, a house of healing. I'm going to stake our claim that, Lord, that you called the local church to be that kind of a church and stake my claim, this stake in the ground and pray for it and believe it, that this church will go forward. It will prosper in what God has called us to do. Stake your ground. That's why these stakes are important. If I can pull this up on my phone, Bridget sent it to me last night, and Winston Churchill makes this statement. He says, to each, there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing. It's like, where did that come from? God taps you on the shoulder to do something very special for him, I believe, and unique to them and fitted to their talents. And what a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for which they could have been their finest hour. It could be the finest hour of the church. And that's why this 21-day fast is so important for us and each individual here that I believe that God would be tapping people on the shoulder, saying, this is going to be your finest hour. And if we're not prepared, and that's what fasting does, it helps prepare us. If we're not prepared, we could miss one of the greatest moments of our life and the life in the church especially this year of 2022.